We're going to be in the book of Lamentations uh, in just a moment. If you'll be finding that, Lamentations. If you know where Isaiah is, Jeremiah, then Lamentations. And uh, we'll be in chapter 3. While you're turning there, I just put a plug in for our evening service. We've been uh, gradually making our way through some uh, topics, subjects, prophesied occurrences that will happen after uh, the Lord takes uh, his children from this earth. And then uh, just a number of things that I find very fascinating. And tonight will be in the 17th chapter of the book of Revelation talking about this one world religious order that's being shaped before our eyes. And I'll be, I hope you'll be here tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to talk about uh, what the Bible calls the judgment of the great whore. And uh, it's interesting language, interesting topic. So uh, that'll be tonight at 6 o'clock. But today we're going to look at a passage of, of hope, and uh, I'm going to ask you to do something that Jedediah said you would not have to do. If you're able to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time for the reading of God's Word. <laughs> he told you the truth. He said he would ask you only one more time to stand, but I'll ask you this time to stand also. If you're able to stand, Lamentations chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 17 where the Bible says, And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. Jeremiah is the writer, the instrument, that is writing this brief book we call Lamentations. And he's, he is lamenting the, the deplorable condition and place that they were in. Israel, Judah had been conquered by the foreign empires. First Israel, the Assyrians, then Judah, the Babylonians, their capital city, Jerusalem, destroyed. He is writing about this and his personal experience with it in Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 18, and I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we want to better understand your word and your ways. And Father, we thank you for the Bible that gives us not only spiritual lessons, but history lessons, that through them we can be instructed, and we're grateful for it. We pray that you'd help us, though, today not to miss what you have for us, speak to our hearts and lives. I pray for those in our presence today that, Lord, do not know 
you that God today they would be convicted with the reality that eternity is a long time and that salvation is a free gift to those who come to you in repentance and faith and I pray that today Lord you would work in all of our hearts though strengthen us may we go from this place today with our hearts full because of what your word has said to us in Jesus name amen you may be seated One of the things I like about reading the Bible through, reading cover to cover, um, is the more you read it through, the more the geography and the history begins to kind of come together. And I think all that matters. You can you could read the verses we'll read today without an understanding of any of the historical occurrences or the era that Jeremiah was writing in and the events he was writing about. You could do that and get something out of it, but I think it's, re- it's refreshing and rewarding and helpful to know where they were. Jeremiah was a prophet uh, when Israel was conquered by the Babylonians. This was not a pleasant experience. And I've had times myself personally just reading about how Nebuchadnezzar's army destroyed Jerusalem, and I was brought to tears, literally, thinking about the agony, the pain, the torture that these people were going through. And Jeremiah witnessed this firsthand. He saw this. And the the name here, Lamentations, actually means mourning. It means to wail and grief. And there's there's a lot in the Bible that is is joyous. There's a lot in the Bible that is sad. But this is a book, the Lamentations, that is devoted to to the subject of sadness. Frankly, Jeremiah was heartbroken. If you're in Lamentations 3, look in verse 48 where he writes personally. He says, Lamentations 3, 48, Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. I can't stop crying, he says. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not. Without any intermission, there's no stop to my, the flow of my tears. So he's heartbroken. Um, if you'll go to the very first of the book, I'm just kind of introducing the message. In Lamentations chapter 1, he begins with a description of what he sees. In chapter 1, he says, How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? Jerusalem was a hustle and bustle of people, Jewish people coming and going and festivities and family. They were very proud of their city, the walls that surrounded them. But he said, now the city sits solitary. It was full of people. He describes her in verse 1 saying, how has she become a widow? She, talking about Jerusalem, that was great among the nations... And princess among the provinces, how has she become tributary? Now think about the word tributary as as something having to do with tribute. It has to do with being taxed. They were being taxed by an occupying nation. The Babylonians had conquered them. So they were not just broken, they're also in slavery. Verse 2, it says, she weepeth sore in the night. 
and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Her friends have become her enemies. Verse 3, Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. So this is the book we have before us, Lamentations. Not a real happy occasion to begin these words. But that brings us back to our text. Go back to Lamentations chapter 3. And as he's writing, he's describing a hopelessness that he felt, that Jeremiah felt. There was no peace, he said in verse 17. Thou hast removed... Talking to God, actually. Thou hast removed my soul far from peace. And then he says, I forgot or forget prosperity. I forgot what it was like to be blessed. I forgot prosperity. This was a blessed nation, a blessed city. But he said, that's not in my mind today. And verse 18 says, my strength and my hope is perished. I'm weak, but not only am I weak, I have no no inclination, no anticipation of things getting better. That's what hope really is. Hope is perished from the Lord in verse 19, remembering, this is what he's thinking about, remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. Verse 20, my soul hath them still in remembrance. You can see this theme as it goes through these words about remembering, my, my soul hath him still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This was a dark, dark time. A dark time for Israel, a dark time for Jerusalem, a dark time for Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's overwhelmed, as we read earlier, he's just weeping uncontrollably. And most of you would be familiar with this, but Jeremiah, as a prophet, he spent his life warning these people. He's watched this come. He's, he said this is what's going to happen. This was not a surprise to him. He knew they were going to be conquered. And now he's witnessed it firsthand. All the things he warned them about are coming to pass. And, and I was thinking, you know, he could have gloated about this. He could have said, I told you so. I warned you. I spent at least 20 years preaching and warning you about this, but he's not. He's lamenting. He's weeping. He's broken. And the hopelessness is the part that just stands out to me because he's, he's writing as though things will never get better. You know, discouragement, despondency can come to any of us. But what makes it seem almost unbearable is you have no hope of it ever getting better that you're in a pit and you're wondering, will I ever get out of it? And um, you, you would think, some people would think, if they didn't know the Bible, they would think, well, God's people never thought like that. God's people never had these kinds of inclinations, but in reality, they did. Sometimes it seemed hopeless. There's a passage that kind of reminds me of this. I want to turn to that. Hold your finger here in Lamentations, please, and go to Psalm... 77. 
here the psalmist, not David, but the psalmist that was writing this is describing a similar concern. Not just that things are bad, but will they ever get worse or get better? Will they ever improve? Psalm 77 and verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Can you see that this, there's, there's intertwined in this, not only this sentiment that things are bad, but will it ever improve? Look in verse 9. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity. This is where I live. This is, this is where I am. This is my weakness. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'm going to try to remember a time other than the time I'm living in. I will remember the works of the Lord in verse 11. Surely I will remember. See that reoccurring uh, theme of remembering? I will remember thy, work, thy wonders of old. And so there's another place where the, the writer, the inspired writer, giving us the word of God is saying, will things ever be better? Let's go back to Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3. And really the key verse to me is verse 21 when he says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Jeremiah remembered something. I called it to my mind, and that recollection is going to give him hope. What he remembered would help him. <clears throat> I've already referred to this a couple of times, but we just look in our text in Lamentations 3, references to the subject of remembering. Verse 17, he said, I forget prosperity. The times of blessings I've Forgotten the good times I don't remember anymore. Verse 19, remembering mine affliction and my misery. You can see that the, the fond memories of blessings in the past have disappeared, and now there's only remembering mine affliction. In verse 20, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. All these references to remembering. My soul will not turn loose of the pain of the past. And let me just state the obvious at this point uh, this morning. And that is that what we think about, what we remember, has great impact on our spiritual and emotional condition. What we're thinking about. What we're remembering, what we're focusing on in our mind. Again, in verse 21, he says, And this, this I recall to my mind. I remember, then I remembered something that caused me to hope. Therefore have I hope. Now, he didn't say my world is going to be turned right side up. He just said, I, now I have reason to hope. And, you know, seeing things actually turn around in your life is wonderful. But just the hope that it will improve is significant in and of itself. 
Hopelessness is a sad place to be. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people live there. And you may be here today and you're thinking, that's kind of my world. I'm kind of getting overcome by hopelessness. And well, put yourself in this place where Jeremiah was when he wrote. How devastated he was. How I don't, I don't think he was embellishing. You know, I could say to you, you know, I cried all day long. And I, what, what it may mean that I cried a few times during the day. But when he says there's no intermission for my tears, it makes me believe he just couldn't get over this. It was just a, he watched his city. He watched his people destroyed by this invading army. And he knew it was avoidable. It could have been avoided if they had just turned to God, if they had just repented. But now he's remembering some things that are giving him hope. The darkness of no hope is being replaced by the dawning of hope. And so I want to focus today on the things that he remembered that gave him hope. Again, it didn't mean that all of a sudden the light is shining and there's no problems. It just means here's why I believe things are going to get better. And by the way, for Israel, they did get better. What did he remember? They're, they're found, these things are found in the verses that follow. Verse 21 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. His tone changes immediately because of the hope that he found. He remembered how merciful God was. He remembered how merciful God had been. By the way, it is, it is a manifestation of God's mercy that we are not consumed as well. These people were defeated as a nation. They were shamed. And it wasn't just they came into their country and took over. They took many thousands of them exile. They were living in Babylon. They were living in another country. They're being occupied by this not only heathen, but vile and wicked and merciless country of Babylon. But you know what he says? If it wasn't for the Lord's mercy, we would have been consumed. The only reason we're breathing God's good air is because of the mercy of God. I mean, God could have not just conquered the nation. He could have killed them all. All the people, by the way, Babylon coming in wasn't because of the might of the Babylonians. It was because of the rebellion of the Israelites. And God was judging them. But he said, when I remembered, when I, when I watched what was happening, and I remembered God's mercy, it gave me hope. Amen. All of us today, all of us have been the recipients of God's mercy. Amen. For those of us who are saved, he has shown us mercy in his gift of salvation. The fact that we know him is a, is a clear indication that God is merciful. The fact that our sins are forgiven. Every sin that, that those of us who are saved, every sin that we've ever committed against a holy, righteous God is forgiven, not because we deserve it, but because God is merciful. 
God has not given us what we deserve. As a matter of fact, not only has not God not given us what we deserve, but He took the judgment that we deserve and He put it on His own Son who took our shame and guilt and on, him, on Himself. <clears throat> you know, it's good to remember, even when things are not going good, it's good to remember that it's good to be saved. <laughs> Amen? I mean, the worst thing that could happen to you is you die and go to heaven. Right? He remembered his mercies. The only reason today that this preacher is not eternally separated from God is because of the mercy of God. Sometimes in our experience of affliction or trials, in the middle of our disappointments, we forget how good God is and how merciful he's been to us. But because he's merciful, no matter how dark it is, because he is merciful, it gives us hope. He not only remembered God's mercy, but he also, in verse 22, remembered God's compassion. It says, his compassions fail not. His compassions, God's empathy, God's sympathy, he never quits caring for us. I love that song we sing occasionally. Does Jesus care? He always cares. Now listen, you may think, well, if he cared, if God cared so much, why does he let things like this happen? And they could have said the same thing. Just because God does not give me what I want, and just because God doesn't give me what I want when I want it, does not mean that God does not care for me. God's compassions fail not. They'll never, he'll never stop caring. Israel was being judged because of their disobedience. They were being judged because they were intentionally rebelling against God. They were, they were intentionally disobeying God's word. And God judged them because of that. But that doesn't mean that God quit caring about them. God still loved them. God still cared for them. Psalms 103, it says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And I just want to tell you today, not based on my opinion, but based on what I understand the Bible to say, God may seem distant from you, and the way may seem difficult, but God has not stopped caring. And because he's compassionate, it gives us hope. As we... We heard in Sunday school this morning, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. He's watching us. There was a time in my life when that would not have been a pleasant reality to know that God was watching us. But it gives me hope today knowing that God is watching us and he cares for us. So what is it that turned his state of mind around in chapter 3? He recalls to mind in verse twenty. One, and he says, I have hope. I have hope because God is merciful in verse 22. I have hope because God is compassionate in verse 22. In verse 23, I have hope because God is faithful. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God will never cease to be faithful. His promises, whatever God has said, his promises will never fail. Thank God for that. Every morning, 
I've always kind of been a morning person, maybe for a long, long time anyway. I love the mornings. And uh, I like to get up early before the problems start. <laughs> it's a great time of the day when, before the sun comes up or as it's coming up and listening to the birds, especially this time of the year. It's a great time. But for anybody who's ever walked through dark valleys, the nighttime can be the most difficult time. But there's just something about when the day breaks and the morning comes up, you have a new start. And look what he says there. He says, he says God's mercies and compassions fail not in verse 22. They are new every morning. Every morning, God's compassions are new. Every morning, God's mercy is new and God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. We love that song around here. I'm going to resist the temptation to sing a verse for you. Written in 1923. It was a poem. Great is thy faithfulness. It was inspired, by the way, this song was inspired by the words we're looking at today. I like to look at the record of the history of hymns. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God's faithfulness is great. Whatever God has been, he always will be. If God ever loved you, he loves you today. He will not change. He's faithful. This hopeless situation is turning around for Jeremiah in his mind because he's recalling things that give him hope, the mercy of God, the compassion of God. And he's not just, recur he's not just encouraged by the fact that God has these attributes He's encouraged by the fact that if God showed me mercy one day, he'll show me mercy again. If God cared about me then, he cares about me now. If God did this because of it's his nature then, he will do it because it's his nature now. He's remembering God's goodness. Matter of fact, verse 25 says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. God is good. To them that wait for him. And there's another thing here I skipped over in verse 24. Not only is he compassionate and merciful and faithful and good, but look in verse 24. It says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is my, the Lord himself. Not just his mercy, not just his faithfulness, not just his goodness. Not just his compassion, but the Lord is my portion. See, we, when we sometimes, I sometimes think this way. I, I need for God to be merciful to me. I need for God to be caring for me. I need for God to be faithful to me. I need for God to be good to me. But the reality is, we don't just have God's mercy. We have God. He's our portion. We have him. And really, think about this. We, want, we need his deliverance, but... 
We need, more than we need His deliverance, we need Him. And if we have Him, even if He doesn't deliver today, we have Him. And if we have Him, even if it seems like He's not listening, we have Him. And that's what He's saying, the Lord is my portion. He remembered not only God's goodness and His mercy and His faithfulness, but He remembered His presence. He said, I love the language there in verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Jeremiah didn't say, everybody else is saying this. He says, my soul is saying this. The Lord is with me. God himself is with me. And it's true if you're saved. You may be in a dark place. You may be enduring chastening. He was enduring chastisement along with his people. By the way, sometimes when God chastises us, those around us, endure some of that as well. And that's the case with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's friends had forsaken him. Matter of fact, he said earlier his friends had become his enemies. But he knew this, God's with me and God will never leave me nor forsake me. Because God is with us, we have hope. Because of his compassion, we have hope. Because of his mercy, we have hope. You know, this weekend we remember people who've sacrificed a great deal for us. It's a good thing to do. One of the, I think one of the things would help America if we just, and I'm talking about American general, Americans, people in this country, if we would realize we're not near as bad off as some people are telling us we are. And we have a great history and a great heritage and we owe a great debt. If they would just remember, start thinking differently, rather than thinking that every, you know, every, we ought to apologize for the good thing that's happened to us. We don't have to apologize for the blessings of God. God if God has blessed us, then thank God for that. And as we sit here today, we are blessed people. I'm telling you, we're a blessed people. I didn't say everything just going our way. I didn't say everything's perfect. But I'm telling you this, God's been good to us. There's some sound advice from Jeremiah in this lamentation. Let me read verse 26 again. It is said, it is good, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for man both to hope and quietly wait for God's deliverance, for God to come through. You think, do you think God's going to come through? I know he's going to come through. And if coming through means he's going to take us out of this life, God's going to come through. Now, for these people, it didn't happen overnight. If you know anything about your history, you know that they were 70 years in captivity in Babylon. Didn't happen overnight. But when they went into captivity, they went into captivity for a purpose. And when that purpose was fulfilled, they would be delivered. And he says, it's good. It is good. By the way, it is good to hope and quietly wait for the salvation of God. You know, the book is, this book, this is a wonderful book, isn't it? The Bible. But it's not just a book about the salvation of our eternal spirit. It's, it's, good, it's a good book about the, the salvation of our 
soul, our thinking right and our emotions and our feelings. And it's good for us. It's good for us to have hope, isn't it? And if we're saved, we have reason to hope. Not because of who's in the White House, not because of how much money's in the bank, not because the doctor gave you a clean bill of health, but we have hope because we have God. We have hope because we have His salvation. We have hope because He cares about us. You say, well, I don't always feel like He cares about us. Well, let me just give you some advice that I have to give myself every once in a while. What I feel is not always the best thing. What God says, though, is always right. If it's in the book, you can take it to the bank. Now, they may not increase your checking account, but you can still take it to the bank. You know, hopelessness is a desperate and sad place to be, isn't it? He said it's good for you to have hope in these things. Now, listen, if you're not saved, you can't have that kind of hope. If you don't know the Lord... You don't have the assurance that he has forgiven you. You don't have the promise that he's with you, that he will never leave you. You don't have those promises. But you can have that. And it doesn't come with getting religion. It comes with having him, having him in your life. I don't always feel him there, but I know he's with me. He said he'd be with me. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I get, I'm ashamed of myself sometimes when I fret and worry about stuff. You probably never have that problem. You never worry about anything. I worry about you, especially if you don't worry about anything. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself sometimes that I, don't, that I don't rely upon the Lord more, trust in Him more, that I don't just quietly wait. It's good for a man to have hope and to quietly trust and wait on the Lord. Things may appear bleak, but we're not without hope. I believe, unless I'm missing something here, that one of the things God would want us to know is that when we focus on the difficulties, the challenges, the trials of the journey, it seems impossible. It seems like it's never going to get better. But when we focus on the goodness of God and the greatness of His faithfulness, even in our circumstances, it brings hope to our soul. You know, Israel had a problem with amnesia. Amnesia is being forgetful. My wife and I have the same problem. Sometimes we forget things. Amnesia is a memory loss. Israel had this problem. They would forget the goodness of God. While they, they got so overtaken with their present circumstances just a few days into their journey through the wilderness... And they so forgot how vile and wicked and harsh the Egyptians were, they began to say, let's go back to Egypt. Forgive me, but that doesn't make sense. Right? That doesn't make sense. You know why they forgot? They forgot that God delivered them from that. They forgot what God delivered them from. I'm, and by the way, that Jeremiah was having a bit of that problem himself. His mind is filled with painful memories. 
of what he had been through and what they had been through. And when he thought about that, when he thought about how, and by the way, I'm not even talking about the things he went through as a preacher. They hated him. They threw him in a dungeon, threw him in a pit. They they beat him. They hated him. And when he thought about how difficult the journey was and all the afflictions and conditions, he said there was no hope. But when he recalled the goodness of God, let's read it again in verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. When he started thinking about God's mercy and God's compassion and God's faithfulness, he knew it was not hopeless. And it is not hopeless. We have this same problem sometimes. This weekend's a good time. Memorial means to remember. Memorial, it's about remembering. All this is about remembering. We forget how blessed we are. We forget how God has been so good to us and how good God is. We forget about his faithfulness. We forget about his mercies. Every day he's merciful to us. We forget that we're not alone. You know, that's what he wrote about these people. He said, this busy, busy place, this city full of people is now empty. We forget sometimes that we're not by ourselves. God himself is with us. God is with us. Christians have problems just like everybody else does. We have sicknesses just like everybody else does. We have family conflicts. We have financial struggles. We we have health issues. We We have emotional battles. We all do. But we're never hopeless. We're never without hope. That's not what I say. That's what God says. And when hope comes, it gets better. Even if you still owe the bill, even if you still don't feel 100%, it's better because you know that God is with you and He's faithful and He cares and He's merciful. His promises will never fail. It makes it better, doesn't it? It makes it better. If you're here today and maybe you've been feeling sort of hopeless, I hope today God's word will help you. And you know what? God's word is not just for us. There are people in our world that need hope. We should have it for them. If they ask us any reason of the hope that's within us, Peter wrote, we have something to tell them. And it's not just that that God never ever will let me get sick and God will never let me. That's not what the Bible teaches and we don't tell them that. We tell them this, that even in the dark places, God is still with us. And he helps us and he strengthens us. And we know it's going to get better. Right? It's going to get better. How you know? Because I've read the end of the book. He's with us. And he's preparing a place for us. 
And we're going to be there for a long time, like forever. Amen? God's good. If you don't know him, you need him today. And my prayer is, and I'm sure the prayer of others today is, that even now, right at this moment, you'll realize what I need in my life more than anything is I need the Lord. I need him. I need to settle this matter. I need him in my life. I need his promises in my life. And today he's here to save you. Amen. There's a king sitting among us, and he's here to help every one of us. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Before I pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, would you take this lesson, this personal experience of Jeremiah and apply it to your life? When I thought about all the bad things and what a predicament we're in, I had no hope, he said. But when I recall these things, I have hope. God wants to give us hope. Our Father, today as we pray, I want to thank you for your word. And Father, we can only imagine the desperate place that Jeremiah found himself as he witnessed firsthand the national disaster that we read about in our Bible. Where did he find hope? We know he found it in you. We thank you for these words recorded in our Bible. And I pray that today, that God, we would, we would mix faith with your word. And know because you love us and because you're good and because you're faithful, because you're compassionate and merciful and because you're with us, we have reason to hope. 